Come on, Joe. Let's do this. Right, here we are. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to day number one of my PE with Joe. Finally, after all these years, I've put myself in self-isolation for you, Piers Morgan. This is a message from the government's chief medical officer about coronavirus. But it's not the flu. It's vicious. We are told about 30 devices. Uh, we have been double checking this, but it does seem to say 30. Make your choice and stick with it. Did you see? 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 Hello and welcome to Did You See, a podcast where we catch up on all the things we saw this week. I'm your host, Talon Aslanian, and I'm here with Rose Lander. Hello. Sophia Miller. Hiya. And Pippa Smith. Hello. We're four socially distant trainee journalists, but despite being stuck inside, we can't tear ourselves away from all the madness on our screens. In the week the UK celebrated 75 years since VE Day, did you see everything that happened? The government launched an app to track coronavirus, but just on the Isle of Wight for now. The Prime Minister faced Keir Starmer for the first time at PMQs, and the nation gathered together for socially distant street parties. Did you see all that, guys? I did. Did anyone have a party? I mean, we didn't have a a street party here. I think my neighbours are a bit, um, I don't know, they're not very social. We kind of did. We had um, we have a Facebook group that's very not <laughs> receptive, um, i.e. I'm one of the people that doesn't ever engage. And two sisters who live on opposite sides of the road decided to um, start a street party. And my dad and I and a few other neighbours thought that this was a really bad idea. And I know that VE Day is all about street parties and dancing in the street and all that, but we are in quite special times. Um, but I think we are, like, our road did the street party quite well. And I know, Sophia, you'll talk about your street party that you had, but I know on the news there was a lot of backlash about some of the coverage that was being shown. And people were doing congas down the street, um, supposedly socially distanced, but I'm not sure how well you can well, protect yourself. They were all holding the same rope um, in the video I saw, which yeah. kind of defeats the object of being two metres apart I from each other. <laughs> um, no, we didn't have one here, but my grandparents attempted to join in with their one in their village, but they usually have a massive one for the whole village and they like close the road and it's a big deal. So they decided to do it like virtually on Zoom because it wouldn't be possible to kind of do it socially distantly with that many people. Uh, but my grandparents... Uh, after about like an hour of being like coached through getting into Zoom, just gave up and watched it on the telly instead. Bless them. <laughs> oh, bless them. Yeah, we had like my um, family sat in the front garden with our dog, who's mischievous at the best of times. And she was being so well behaved um, that we thought, oh, you know, you can just take her off the lead. <laughs> and she bolted into an elderly woman's house (laughs) and this poor woman had to run around the house like trying to get this really naughty and very speedy dog to like come down the stairs and leave um poor woman i felt very i felt very bad for her but it was very very it was your dog's real first taste of freedom 
And um, <laughs> yeah, I know. She said, "Screw lockdown." You know what? I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if lockdown was like orchestrated by dogs because she is getting so much um, attention right now. <laughs> if it was like a secret dog ploy, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> like the constantly getting attention. Rose, would you use a track and trace app for coronavirus? Well, I have been talking about it with my family actually and trying to get to the bottom of whether we would or or wouldn't and my immediate reaction to all the headlines about the the concerns about you know giving your data away and all of that made me think that I wouldn't and then I just realized that I literally am so fast and loose with my data I just like say yes to everything that's like you know privacy give your data away (laughs) all these apps google maps like everything and I never worry about it so what would be the difference especially if it was going to be put to a good use and I and I do think that I should be more careful about my privacy and my data and everything but the fact is I'm not so I might as well what about you guys why would you start now (laughs) yeah exactly well I feel like quite a lot of the people who are getting really aggy about it are people who don't really understand much about like data privacy and all like middle-aged mums who share all sorts on Facebook and have really poor awareness of like (laughs) how you should be changing your settings on those kind of platforms and they're suddenly kicking off about this app uh I can see there's legitimate concerns but I'm like you Rose like I just I'm like well Everybody know like Google, Apple, they all know where I live. They all know what's going on in my life. Apparently now, like, they can tell whether you, like, want to get divorced wow. before you know, based on your, like, search activity. <laughs> so I feel like, like you say, if it's for a good cause, may as well just sign over my soul. Yeah, exactly. Well, someone who definitely has a smartphone is Elon Musk. Rose, did you want to talk about what you saw this week? Did you see the name that tech billionaire Elon Musk and singer Grimes gave their newborn baby this week? I saw it, but I don't know how to say it. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because neither do I. So this whole segment is going to be quite um, (laughs) risky. (laughs) Um, But this is the whole genius of this story is that even Elon Musk and Grimes disagree about how to pronounce this name. So it doesn't matter that we don't know how to say it because it clearly doesn't matter to them either, which I just find so bizarre. So it is X, so just the letter X, and then a symbol, a character that is A and E stuck together, and then A12. (laughs) So like how did you guys think it was said when you saw it give us give us your ideas I mean I saw quite a funny tweet which was like when I read that like there's no like noise in my head like there's no (laughs) I'm not even like saying in my head (laughs) I'm just like it's like computer code or something yeah I agree Um, just like an alien language or something when I saw that I've seen that on Twitter a lot over the past few days. And I'll be honest, until the planning of this podcast, I didn't know that that was actually yeah, the well, name they'd given their child. I just thought that was something yeah, weird going round. People thought it was a joke to begin with because Elon Musk is a bit of a joker on social media. And he didn't like announce this in a tweet. He just replied mm, to somebody's mm. tweet asking what the baby was called with this this yeah. 
incomprehensible string of letters and numbers and then it was confirmed by Grimes uh, that that's what they've called the baby and then he was on a podcast talking about it so it's definitely a thing <laughs> yeah well I guess I guess we don't really know like whether that's on the birth certificate or not because especially because there's talk around that um the that so the baby was born in California and there are certain rules in California about what you can name your baby and it has to be just the 26 letters of the alphabet which actually is really strict compared to because because that excludes other characters from other European languages for example so like from French you know with accents on them and stuff like that so it is actually really really limited so this crazy crazy one with with a, a random symbol and also a number in it I doubt they would be able to actually use that on their birth certificate but let's go into what sort of the explanations are because they have given explanations obviously it's meaningful said yeah obviously it has to have a meaning so grimes explained very kindly for (laughs) us that x is the unknown variable yep great start for a baby name um (laughs) the ae symbol is the elven spelling of ai which means love or of course artificial intelligence and then this is the real kicker for me, is A12 is the precursor to SR-17, our favourite aircraft. And I don't know if you guys have a favourite aircraft that you, you've you <laughs> been writing down. I'm not rich enough to have a favourite aircraft. All I know is like a, like a Boeing 747. I don't know enough aircraft to have a famous favourite one. But the, the other amazing thing about that sentence is... The A12 is the precursor to their favourite aircraft. So they haven't even named it after their favourite aircraft. It's so bizarre. So she goes on to say that the A12, it has no weapons, no defences, just speed. It's great in battle, but non-violent. Like most planes. The A... Huh? Most planes don't have yeah. guns and uh, other stuff. Yeah, they... the Boeing seven four seven. Do you think crazy. we're gonna see a? That's why I love it. Do you it. think we're gonna see a craze of people, <laughs> of people naming their babies like Boeing seven four seven or like Airbus eight three hundred? Rename EasyJet and be done with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, but the 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 other explanation they've given is that A twelve. It's it's also called the Archangel Twelve, I think. So Archangel Grimes says is her favorite song. We don't know which song this is. I don't know if you guys know any songs off the top of your head called Archangel, but it's it's one explanation. So after, but obviously there's that explanation, but we still then from that don't know <laughs> how to pronounce it. I personally think the explanation leaves me with more questions than answers. For instance. The thing about the AE symbol being an elven spelling of AI is bizarre to me because AE, the sa- well, I mean, I could be wrong, but remembering from like any linguistics I've done in my <laughs> previous life, um, I think the sound that that's supposed to make is like an A. Ah yeah, well, sound. I thought it was like so, eh, so like the, or wait, the only word I can think of that has it in is Cezura. Is that, is that ringing any bells with you guys? I'm imagining A, like... Yeah, but and then it's still not that symbol, right? It's just the A sound. I don't know. Anyway, they have have attempted to... They've gone for the the explanations of the pronunciations as well. So Grimes, very kindly, again, she's obviously a woman with a big heart, (laughs) said that um, (laughs) 
uh, to a confused person on social media who was just after some answers, which, fair enough. Um, Grimes says, it's just X. Like, the letter X? And then AI, like how you say the letter A and then the letter I. <laughs> so we can be all be grateful to Grimes for that. Um, Duh. <laughs> X-A-I. Well, she didn't even say, she didn't even, I think the 12 is silent. <laughs> <laughs> the 12 is silent. The classic silent 12. But Elon Musk appeared um, in an interview with the podcaster Joe Rogan and also get, gave an explanation of the pronunciation, but it was different from Grimes's one. So at first, when I saw this story, I thought, you know, these are two people who are absolutely made for each other. They're clearly just in a world of their own. And I cannot imagine this conversation coming up and, and, them, and these two people agreeing on this thing. So they're obviously a good partnership if they both thought this was a good idea. And uh, and and Elon Musk even told Joe Reagan that um, Grimes came up with most of the name and quote she is great at names. <laughs> Mate, <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I do wonder what the Sorting Hat would have to say about young XI Kyle Ash A twelve, um, and with. And with that, yeah, for sure, <laughs> Slytherin. And with that wonderful segment, <laughs> segment, segue, Sophia, what did you see um, this week? Okay. Did you see which house Draco Malfoy <laughs> actor Tom Felton got sorted into this week? Yes, I did see this. I saw it. I completely missed this. I don't, I, I don't know what's been happening this week. Got to follow him on Instagram. Good guy. Yeah, you got to... You gotta do that if you're a Harry I do Potter like fan, him. Pippa. <laughs> I, I yeah, he's great. I mean, he's I a am. very cute dog. If that Aww. helps. Um, so Draco Malfoy, um, aka Tom Felton, actor, went onto this website that J.K. Rowling has. It's it used to be called Pottermore. It's now called Wizarding World or something like that. And basically, it's an they call it an online reading experience it's just a game basically and you go on it and you can get sorted into your house and you can find out what your patronus is and what your wand is and all sorts and it's it's good fun if you're a harry potter nerd like myself um and so he went on it i was like oh i'm finally going to do this um and he got sorted (laughs) into hufflepuff and he tweeted the results and called it a very (laughs) sad day so i think that's a bit harsh on hufflepuff to be honest it is a bit harsh. I always wanted to be in Hufflepuff, but I, they are also a bit squishy and soft. Oh, but they're cute. Squishy. Okay, so I'm a Hufflepuff, <laughs> and I always, I, I really stand up for Hufflepuffs. In fact, I... I like that you just, sorry, you just declared that. There was no, like, context. I think I would be a Hufflepuff if this world were to exist, <laughs> or like, no, I am Hufflepuff. Well, I am, you know, it's one of those things, you just know it, you just... You just feel it inside you. Luckily, when I did do the Pottermore quiz, um, it did all confirm this to me. And I have a Hufflepuff scrunchie that I wear with pride. And I once ran a campaign for my students' union based on the fact that I was a Hufflepuff. Um, <laughs> and oh my God, won. you're so, so cool. So thank you. Thanks, J.K. Rowling. I know. Well, that was the whole thing. I was like, 
I, I was loyal, you know, I stand up for my friends. Oh, that's actually really good. <laughs> exactly. And for all <laughs> listeners who can't see Rose right now, she's wearing a yellow headband, so it's very on brand. <laughs> <laughs> on the other side of the argument, I am a Slytherin, uh, according to Pottermore. Really? Yeah. Well, what do you think I, I am? I wouldn't have said that. What would you I don't know, you but I, I would have put you in Gryffindor. Really? I wanted to yeah. be in Gryffindor. Yeah, both talent, but guess what Obviously. house I got sorted into. Everybody wants to be in Gryffindor. Oh, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got sorted into Gryffindor, and now I feel so big-headed that I should probably be a Slytherin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, Gryffindors, Gryffindors are very big-headed. <laughs> they are, this is true. Not, I'm not saying that you yeah, are big headed. They are. <laughs> they themselves. Not that that's a reflection of you. <laughs> the claws are coming out. What, I... Okay, well, I thought you left what out. What would Pippin be? Raven, I haven't Raven done claw? this. I, I haven't done this quiz. I have. I have a suspicion yeah. that I would probably be a Ravenclaw. I think you are. So I think Talon is a Slytherin Gryffindor combo, and Pippa, I think you're a Ravenclaw Slytherin combo. Oh my Raven god, that's claws, so that's cool. Like the, that's like the biggest insult. You're I love that. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because Ravenclaws, Ravenclaws are clever. Ambitious. And no, ambitious. I ambitious. reckon you'll that's take the, on the world. That's the key takeaway okay. from Slytherin, I think. As a Ravenclaw-Slytherin hybrid. Yeah. It's a killer combo. I think I need to do this quiz and then settle this. I always, when I was younger, got compared to like the Hermione mm. Granger, which I, I didn't like think that much of a compliment she's because she's quite annoying. No, um, she's lovely. Um, she's the one who like, always as, has the in plan. like the first film, for instance. Like she is like quite annoying, and like I did not like to be compared to that. But what you know, Emma Watson in like film six and seven, I'm okay with that comparison. But I don't think it's made <laughs> anymore at that point. No, she's an excellent role model. You've got to be proud to be a Hermione, for sure. And also, like, she's she's definitely less annoying than Harry is. Like, Harry is, like, objectively a very annoying He's really person. annoying in the films. Less so in the book, I think. So I angsty. obviously always wanted to be a Ginny with my ginger locks. And, gin- and I actually think <laughs> that we've gone off topic here, but I have to say it. The biggest... Uh, like shame of the whole of this the film franchise the worst thing about them and I think they're really great is the betrayal of the character of Ginny yes because Ginny is a brilliant character in the books and she's we terrible don't get in enough the films. From she gets like four lines in total she doesn't get screen yeah, time and she's she? just not that feisty um clever character that she is I just don't understand why they I get that they had to like slim down the story but I don't understand why they just completely got rid of all her fun stuff mm-hmm. I would bet that most politicians would be classed as Slytherin speaking of politicians Talon what have you seen this week oh we're shaking things up this week are we well <laughs> this week <laughs> I have betcha um i spent my time watching the 2010 general election rerun on the bbc parliament channel you know how to get your kicks oh i do pippa and honestly (laughs) i wasn't the only one uh there were quite a few people tweeting about it on twitter and that's how i found out that there was a rerun going um and i came late to the party i didn't i haven't watched it live live although when i mean live not in 2010 but as in i didn't watch it when the program started i was probably like an hour behind so people were doing commentary on my twitter feed 
and then I came and did more commentary. And it was just so interesting. Like the first two minutes of the general election coverage was them going around the studio saying, and we've got Nick Robinson here who's going to give us our knowledge. Then we've got this person with the map and and Jeremy Vine is in our virtual, you know that bit. Yeah. All of the main people were men. And I was like, wow, that is so interesting because in 2019, you had Tina Dahili, you had Fiona Bruce, Sophie Rayworth. Um, Rita. Rita Chakrabarti. You had so many people. Exactly. So it's good to see how things have moved on in nine years. Nice. Well, in some areas they've moved on. In other ways, <laughs> in some areas we may have regressed. It, <laughs> it was also really funny just to see all of the politicians like Theresa May, and she was actually quite sassy. Mm-hmm. Um, they they had her on a panel in the studio, and she was really sassy. And I just don't think we we got to see a little bit of that. But I think the moment Theresa May became prime minister, she kind of like recoiled into herself. Mm. which is really weird that shouldn't mm. be happening um whereas yeah she was she had like some good one-liners um also like she looked so different 10 years ago in comparison to yeah now. she did not sort of like i don't think the job of prime minister like i think the strain of it all um you can like see it in her face but i think it was and yeah. now actually when you see her now she looks so much like different she looks like 10 years younger again because mm. she's <laughs> obviously like so much less like burdened well, to be fair, Boris could be Boris could beat her on that one, but um... um but the funniest thing about this coverage was that they had Andrew Neil on a boat in the middle of the River Thames, and it was filled with celebrities, this boat. They had like singers, mm. they had Piers Morgan, and there's this just one moment where they go to Bruce Forsyth, bless him, who's on the boat, and they go, so <laughs> Bruce, uh, what did you think of the exit poll? I'm like, I don't know why Bruce has agreed to be on this boat for a start. But he's like, obviously trying to avoid the question, not trying to tell us who he voted for, what he believes in. And I just thought it was just the most stupid situation ever. Um, And really funny because you would not see that happening in election coverage these days. And and so that sounds strange to me as a start, but like the person, the journalist they chose to kind of like, I don't know, compare <laughs> that boat was Andrew yeah. Neil. That seems the most ludicrous <laughs> element of it to me. Like I can see certain people embrace, Naga would be great at that. Naga would have the crowd, <laughs> yeah, you Naga know, would be really good in her that. fingertips, but... It's good for it's good for a kind of alternative election night coverage, isn't it? That idea, that kind of idea of like that they did do in twenty nineteen, like have one channel that had a bit more comedians yeah. on and that kind of thing to kind of. So if you got bored of the main coverage, you could flick over and watch something a little bit more lively. But to include it in the main coverage does just seem also, so strange. It, it's just it was just weird for the BBC, right? They're not used to. I mean, they they do things like children in need and I don't know comic relief and all that, but that's because it's relaxed that whole program is relaxed so you can't go from mm. like doing serious programming and try and fit in something relaxed and then do serious programming. it just doesn't just didn't fit and it was really funny so speaking of at the time um do any of you remember the actual night itself i mean obviously it's 10 years ago we were teenagers but do any did it were any of you interested did any of you watch any of it 
I think it was the first kind of like general election campaign and everything that I was like properly aware of what was happening. I don't recall what the would have been two. I guess was it two thousand five before that, or was it? I don't even know. Um. So yeah, I do remember it, and I remember. I'm now trying to like think, but I remember more the build up to it than the actual kind That's of cool. election. Um, because that was like the television debates where Nick Clegg became a big deal. Um, and then I remember like the press conference they did once they'd um, agreed on the coalition. Is that, am I on the right Yeah, election? no, you are. You are on the right election. <laughs> I literally can't. It's so long ago, guys. Um, I um, I really don't remember anything. And the only thing I remember was David Cameron driving to Buckingham Palace to uh, get the invitation to start a government by the Queen because Waterloo Road wasn't on TV and they interrupted the showing of Waterloo Road. How rude. I know. To, That's an outrage. Right? Right? It's, they <laughs> interrupted show, the to programming to show David Cameron in his car off to Buckingham Palace. And I, I did actually appreciate it, but... That's why I remember it. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel like those things don't have to be live. Like you can just watch that on the news later, surely. Surely. It's not just it's not like a like but yeah. the excitement rose. <laughs> I guess, but you know, I feel like interrupting Waterloo Road to show it is like assuming that everybody wants to see that I don't know. I think there are more important things that are that should be interrupted that are live, and that is something that you could literally, you know, you could show on the six o'clock news and be done with it. Yeah, I guess it's because they usually do a speech, right? Like when they get there, they usually say something. Do well, they? not I, not to Buckingham like Palace. They, they will do like an no, hour. No, but later, when they get back, when to they eventually street. get back, <laughs> <laughs> so show that yeah. live. <laughs> I don't want to see a guy driving in a car. I wonder what the Queen... What a poor decision the BBC <laughs> made that day. <laughs> I wonder what the Queen says to these, like, people, because obviously, like, she's seen so many Prime Ministers, so she should have had to, like, mix well, up her, have you watched like, the welcome crown? phrase. Um, <laughs> it's like being a fly on the wall. <laughs> but, like, I'd be interested to know, like, what she said to, I don't know, Theresa May probably. when she had to, like, go and meet her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, awful. Yeah. Yeah. Tough time to be doing it. <laughs> well, I don't think she has to say anything different because gone. No, no, no one no has. Yeah, I guess she it. just. Yeah, because and also because it's such a unique moment for each person, she can just she can stick to the script, can't she? Really. Ah, Pippa, what did you see this week? Uh, well, this week, I mean, kind of like for the last two weeks, um, I saw. Uh, did you see? normal people uh which is kind of the latest kind of binge watch thing for people to kind of get on board with it was tiger king and now it's normal people uh everybody very different programs i would say Uh, (laughs) uh, everybody's talking about it i uh think it's very good tv program particularly for people our age um i have read the book actually and i think the tv program is significantly better than the book so I didn't, I thought the book was okay, uh, but I didn't like Change My Life. Not that the TV programme has either, but like I found it more relatable than the book. Why uh, was that, do you think? So the book uh, focuses quite heavily on like 
So uh, the general concept for anyone who doesn't know, it's about two Irish uh, teenagers who like start this secret love affair at, at school. Um, but one of them's like uh, popular, but he's from like a kind of like working class family. His mum works for the girl's family and she's got like quite a lot of money, but she's like a loner and is kind of um, doesn't have any friends and doesn't really understand how to socialise properly. Um, and it's about that. And then they both end up in the same university um, and the tables kind of turn when they're at university in terms of like who has more friends. But I thought that in the book there was like, quite a lot of heavy-handed like um stuff about the kind of class divide um and I thought it was done way more subtly and more more effectively in the um in the tv show um than it is in the book and I just and I thought that if when I was reading the book I was like these people are quite annoying and I would like find them Mm -hmm. annoying to like be around whereas in the tv program I just kind of was like I completely understand these characters and I like can identify with like both of them in certain ways and their experiences and like you kind of just get so caught it's so beautifully shot it's very well acted it's very well scripted it's like very subtle there's a lot where nobody really talks but not in an annoying way um so I just think you get so consumed with it in the in the tv program which I didn't find in the book and I'm not one to not get consumed by books. I am did do an mm. English degree, so I and know kind of the feeling of getting consumed. But I felt the TV program just created a much better atmosphere. Correct me so if I'm wrong. I... I haven't actually seen it myself. But isn't there a lot of sex in it? Yes. So public <laughs> service announcement: Do not watch this with your parents. Um, if you are locked down with your parents, I actually don't think I could watch it with anyone else, apart Ooh. from maybe like my boyfriend it's quite it would be awkward I mean maybe that's just because I'm like typically British I saw and this awkward. tweet and it was like I consider it a big flex that I can watch normal people with my mum and I was like I'm not sure that's a flex really it's a bit weird <laughs> I would be a bit mortified my I mum think keeps... I could I think I could <laughs> but it would be pretty awkward my mum because I've, I've... I've done it before the thing is, I've gone on about it now to my parents. So then they're like, oh, we want to watch it. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if it'll be your thing. Because I'm worried that they're going to like watch it on my recommendation. And then and they'll then know. Know <laughs> that that's what I've been watching. So, um, so I've seen it all. And I would say that whilst class did play a part, it didn't, was mm. not the main theme no. at all. So in the book, was it really heavily referred to? It's quite, it's quite heavily referred to in the book. Um, you get obviously because you get a lot more of their inner monologues. Um, there's quite a lot more I feel on the on that element. Also, like on their individual politics and stuff, which I just don't think. I think the strength of the of the um, story is about how much like they love each other, but in like a way which they're very unable to communicate it to each other I don't think this that it's an interesting element all the like kind of money stuff and social stuff is like interesting and I identified with quite a lot of it um I think uh, there was only one scene where um and Marianne the the female character or the female lead she actually says why have we never talked about this before mm, in terms of class yeah. It's probably like episode six out of 12 or something when they start talking about it. 
So it's, I say in the, in the TV program, it's like subtext, whereas in the book, it's more like text. But as you say, though, it's, it's that it's that difference between books and TV where you have yeah. them in a monologue. Yeah. So I think no, I just think that you probably couldn't you couldn't portray it in that subtle way so much in the book because you have to mm. kind of write the words. Well, I've read I've read it and I've read her other book as well, Conversations with Friends, and I read Conversations with Friends first, and then loads of people said to me that Normal People was better, and some of my friends said that they like literally just inhaled it. Like, and I do really love her style of writing. I find it very very like mm. e- it is easy to consume which um which is easy which I read. think is so lovely I really I really get frustrated by books that are like trying to be um you know clever and actually that just makes the reading a little bit awkward so I love them for that that it just feels like you're it, you can get into their heads so easily and it's all just like it kind of washes over you in a really lovely way but I actually based on just my first impressions of them, I actually preferred the other book, which I think is quite controversial. I think a lot of people do prefer normal people. And I don't know whether it's just because I read the other one first and that was kind of my first foray into it. Um, but So I wonder whether they're going to make an adaptation of that as well. It'll be interesting to see whether they give it a go. Are I they? think they are. I think so. I don't know. I'm fairly certain that I read somewhere that the same team behind Normal People, so like directors and everything, are going to now do conversations with friends. I've not read that, so um, I'd be interested to kind of read it and see it. Um, but yeah, I just think amongst lockdown, it's like such a um, like joyous thing to watch. Like it's one of the best TV programmes I've watched for quite a long time, I would say. And I just got so lost in it. Well, aside from that, I do think it is just so beautiful and it's an excellent perception. I mean, the two main characters are very Mm. troubled and I don't know. I I really hope that's not a reflection of a lot of people's lives. But I think Mm. everyone can relate to something in the series and that's what I really appreciated being able to see myself in school walking around Mm. uni in later life going on holiday with my friends all of these different things um and also just relating to those normal moments you know when it's not when you might be having an awkward conversation but friends have awkward conversations all the time when you're talking about your life yeah your parents I don't know and going I back to the sex um it's it's similar so I've only seen the first four episodes so so the ones where they're at school and then the first one of them going to university mm-hmm. and um like the, the school the school when they're having sex when they're still school age is is so it's it shows such a much more real um like depiction of sex than you know either either in in films and tv you have like a really slick hollywood thing where like nothing goes wrong and the lighting's amazing and uh, you know or you have like comedy Mm -hmm. movies where everything's everything is super awkward whereas Mm -hmm. it strikes such a nice balance between the two where it just feels real where they, they are genuinely passionate and horny but also having that slightly awkward teenage Mm. feel to it as well, which is so nice to see. And the probably the best part of the whole thing, the consent part in it, which is not in the book, is I think like almost not, it would be weird if it was, but almost I want like all 14 year olds in sex education to watch that, to know that's how you should approach 
it. <laughs> like that's like a perfect depiction of how things should happen. It should be compulsory uh, viewing. Not what lots of people experience in their first time having sex. So I think, yeah, I think it's it's refreshing to watch and and they are shot kind of like very well and I think do you like you say kind of um, represent it in like a much more real way um yeah that's it for our podcast this week we hope you enjoyed it and if you did why not subscribe to it on spotify or wherever you get your podcasts or why not follow us on twitter to get all the latest updates we're dys underscore podcast on twitter see you next week bye bye